Welcome to The Hive from Tejitosa Sustainable Travel, a podcast for meaningful travel stories. We invite guests who have traveled abroad for more than just leisure travel, be it internships, volunteering, or study abroad, either as solo travelers or as part of a group. We also talk to local communities who receive and host these travelers and measure their impact. This is a podcast chronicling sustainable travel. My name is Wesley Maraire, Business Development Executive at Territorial Sustainable Travel and your host of The Hive. Today I am joined by Lisa, who is the Program Manager for Fair Trade Tourism. She also sits on the panel, on the assurance panel for the Global Sustainable Tourism Council, which is one of the most recognized bodies that governs sustainability within the travel industry. Lisa, thank you very much for joining me today. Hey, Wesley. Thanks for having me. Nice to see you. Excellent. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's been good catching up. We've already spent a, a lot of time prior to starting the recording because there's just so much to talk about. But in order to contextualize this um, conversation that we're having today, maybe let's start at the very at the very top in terms of what sustainability and travel means to you. Yeah, good question, hey. As a traveler, as, a, as an industry professional, as a certification person, it can mean anything. I think the most useful thing is to talk about it from a traveler perspective. Um, you know, without getting into definitions, I kind of default to the responsible tourism definition about being that tourism creates better places um, to live and work and better places to visit. And that's in a nutshell what it is for me. I mean, if you can see that the destination is thriving, there's economic activity, there's healthy social dynamics, uh, the environment, you know, clean rivers, responsible waste management. Um, that's also a cool place to visit and somewhere I'm going to want to go. So it's, uh, yeah, it's a win-win for everybody if you're making that happen. And you don't even need to get into, like I say, terminology and definitions. It's just really what makes this a healthy environment for everybody to be happy. Right. And that's, and that's brilliant to hear, you know, because we often hear terms being thrown around, ecotourism, responsible travel, sustainable travel sustainable development goals, ethical travel, fair trade travel, all of those concepts and terms get thrown around. And as we were saying before we started recording, you know, I'm a traveler, but I'm also an operator. So as a traveler, I find myself thinking, oh, echo level, um, that's what I want to, to go on. But I, I don't know if as a traveler, I know what is important for other travelers and for operators with regards to these terms and, and jargon. Break it down for me so that, you know, as, as a traveler, I'm able to understand what any of these mean and, and why they are important, if at all they are important. Yeah, it's a tricky one, Wesley. It's, um, you know, some people get quite um, stuck in their position in terms of the, the finer distinctions between these different um, labels and the terminology. I'm not one of them. Um, I appreciate that there's a finesse, you know, that distinguishes, but at the end of the day, like I say, is, is, it, is it impacting at the destination level in a positive way? Okay, are we 
protecting people from people in places from the negative impacts? And are we making sure that we're providing positive impacts as, as an industry and as a traveler? Um, so really, I, I, I don't attach myself to any of the definitions. It would be a very long list if we had to address them all. <laughs> that's true. That's true. And you know, it, it, is, it is funny because you're always thinking, goodness me, I want to be more thoughtful in the way that I travel. And I'm, I'm seeing from you that we can be quite intentional in the, in the way that we then travel. But how, how do you make that travel decision yourself uh, when you're thinking of you know where where to go next um when, when you're thinking about where to travel the destination comes in place how you get there comes in place and and how are you making that those those travel decisions mm. um it's interesting because i'm actually you know being very optimistic about the covid situation i'm actually planning a big trip right now <laughs> I have been doing some research. I think the answer to your question, obviously, it depends largely on, on your own unique, you know, your own travel style. What do you like? For me, it happens to be, you know, that I love being in nature. I love being in places where I can engage with local people. I love being in, you know, staying in places that are typical of, of you know, heritage and the history. I don't want to stay in new, flashy um, sort of, what's the word, like the hospital clinical kind of feeling hotels, the cookie cutter. I don't like that. Okay, but that's just me. Um, I appreciate that some people like when they travel, they like to know what they're going to get. So they'll stay at, you know, a big brand name chain. Yeah, that's just style. For me, it works out pretty easily because the things that appeal to me happen to also be in line with the things that benefit destinations. So it's it's a it's a win-win in terms of meeting my needs and ticking the here we go in the jargon the sustainability boxes um, the responsible tourism the transformational travel boxes um, yeah so that's uh, for a traveler that likes something a little uh, say more luxurious or less unique to the local context it'll be a little trickier. Um, I think then you have to kind of start looking at, is this business reporting? You know, are they actually talking about their impacts in the local economy? Are they, are they certified by somebody who's looking at not only environmental impacts, but about socioeconomic impacts and cultural ones? Are they embracing what it is to be local? Um, you know, or how, how is that coming through in the experience? Because you can travel anywhere in the world and not engage with the local culture at all. And what's the point of traveling? It's partly to learn and to, to explore our connections and how we're, how our similarities, yet how we're culturally diverse and distinct. I think that's the beauty of it. So to find out about these, um, what are the impacts of, say, the less typical to the destination, less typical properties and businesses, I think that's where you have to dig a little harder. Right. And you know, you mentioned sustainability and you mentioned certification and, mm. and, and there's a huge debate. Um, travelers don't know what that is typically, or they don't know the full extent of what that entails. Operators on the other hand resist it because they say it is expensive. But before we even get to those debates, 
Could you outline what certification means for the travel industry, bearing in mind that you know there are different players in the in the in in, in the sector, your accommodation, your tour operators, uh, but you know you know more about that than than I do. So I I will uh, you know ask you to you know walk us through that um, so that we can get a better understanding of what we mean when we say certification in the travel industry. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's first of all important to understand that it's a pretty complex industry. I mean, you know, as an operator, um, but a traveler kind of, you know, who hasn't worked in the industry might not appreciate all the different dynamics. I mean, you not only have your tour operators and your travel agents that are booking the holidays, they're working with, you know, um, partners in the destination there. It's quite a dynamic global structure around who's booking what and trading with whom. But then you also have the businesses on the ground. So, you know, they're taking the bookings, but they're also having the local impact. So they have a, a critical role to play in terms of sustainability. But then you also have their supply chain. Okay, so who are they, who's doing their laundry service? Who are they buying their food and beverage from, et cetera? So you've got this dynamic complex um, beast uh, that, you know, at anywhere along that chain, you could have unethical or not sustainable practices going on. So from a, a certification point of view, I think it's important that any certification program look at the full extent of that chain. So for example, I'll put my fair trade tourism hat on now. When we audit an accommodation, say a hotel or a guest house, we look not only at what they're doing in-house, but also the dynamics between their local suppliers. Okay, and are they improving in terms of how much local are they buying? Is it you know, organically produced or free range or whatever. But I think it's important to understand the dynamics of the impacts. There are some certification programs that maybe operate outside of the context for which they were developed, and they might not be as um, in tune with how the, how the structures work on the ground. There might be something specific to a context that has a significant impact in terms of, you know, the economic dynamics. You know, how does it work when it's a community-owned asset, for example? So fair trade tourism was actually developed in Southern Africa for Southern Africa. And in for that, we, we're very aware of, of the different socio-cultural and economic dynamics specific to this region. Whereas if you were to bring in another certification program from a different uh, part of the world, you know, something that's relevant for, say, the context in the United States isn't going to be relevant for the context in, say, Zimbabwe. Right. And so, you know, when we speak about certification, it comes down to, number one, best practices so that an organization knows, have a yardstick of how they should be operating and the service that they are providing. And a term I like to use as well is that you're your brother's keeper, uh, because you have to also then keep the value chain or the supply chain in check uh, so that they're also employing ethical standards. They are paying fair wages to their own staff as well. So you are your brother's keeper. However, how does it translate to the average traveler? I listened to a World Nomads podcast just the other day and the CEO of Intrepid which is the biggest um, student and youth travel sort of group travel uh, organization saying the 
from his experience, travelers don't want to be bothered or guilt-tripped into, you know, carbon offsets or reducing deforestation or all the other sustainable or responsible acts that companies go through, the recycling, ETC. But for you wearing your FTT hat, what does the certification mean to the average traveler? And, And what's your take on putting the burden of certification and proving and trusting what operators and um, other suppliers in the travel industry say? That's a really compounded question. I hope you're able to follow that. (laughs) Well, I'll I'll do my best and then you can come back and put me on the right track again if I I go off too far. Um, I think to answer that, it's... I sort of, I've been having this discussion with a lot of colleagues over the past, well, I was going to say weeks, but it's probably months about this whole idea of building back better. And I don't know, I'm a bit of a cynic. Uh, why? Why? What's different now? Has, has things really changed that travelers are going to demand that, you know, people are now all of a sudden saving the world? And uh, I don't know, may, maybe, um, and maybe there'll be a, a modest increase, but I'm not convinced that it's going to all of a sudden be the predominant way of traveling. But what I do think will have shifted is how the businesses on the ground operate, because what we've certainly realized is that not being dependent, we have to be functional at a domestic and local level. Because, you know, when we went into lockdown and trade can happen over borders and we can't have international travelers, etc., we had to innovate quite quickly if we wanted to survive. So I think for me, the drive is going to be more from the businesses on the ground and how they communicate that to the traveler is going to be, for me, it's not about obligation. It's about what an amazing opportunity. Look at this awesome place we're creating. Like this, these all these positive dynamics. It shouldn't be about a guilt trip. If you're if you're selling this as a guilt trip, I'm sorry, but you're you need to talk to your marketing team because there's a shift in language that you could be adopting. Um, yeah, this is this is it's clean, it's healthy, it's dynamic, it's vibrant, it's thriving. Right? That that's what we all that's what we should be building and and should be communicating. Brilliant. Brilliant. And right before I forget completely, uh, you said you're planning a big trip. Where are you going uh, as soon as we <laughs> open up? Oh, as soon as we open up. That list is long. No, <laughs> but I've, uh, I have a significant birthday happening next year. So oh. I'm, uh, I'm looking for somewhere tropical and tranquil. Ah, on yet the, to be on, determined. Yet on to the continent, are you looking Asia or staying on the African continent? The Americas, Europe, I hear Croatia is where it's at. Mm. <laughs> Ooh, don't confuse me. Uh, <laughs> no, it's looking Southeast Asia. Um, I'm just uh, uh, love the culture and the food and yeah. The nature so looking looking that direction but we'll see i'm open to i'm open to suggestions lovely lovely uh i i think you know now that you've mentioned that each time i i find or speak to somebody i will be sending you lots of links <laughs> but you know you know you 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 were born and raised in canada 
lived in the UK, lived in South Africa, and currently live in Namibia. These are vastly different places. And so I, I wonder, you know, with Namibia being your new home and new in air quotes, um, what's the biggest surprise that you found in Namibia? I actually love that question. No one's ever asked me that. And uh, it's interesting because what I've learned through my transition between Canada and coming to Southern Africa, it's also something that I've seen as, um, it's a bit of a flag for me in the whole world of certification. Um, when I worked in Canada, I was doing research in conflict resolution around protected areas. Uh, and you know, there's, let's be honest, there's plenty of money in Canada, you know, the taxpayer can afford to run the national parks, no problem. So it's, it's more an issue about the environmental sustainability, okay, about the conservation management side of things. However, when I came to South Africa to do similar work, um, I immediately realized that everything that I had learned in the Canadian context, I could throw out the window. Because unless it's working for people in the destinations, it doesn't have a hope. So really the triple bottom line of sustainability hit home for me. Um, whereas in Canada, it wasn't, you know, the green was, was definitely dominant. Social and economic, cultural, sure it was there, but just as a little side afterthought. Um, and I see that too when I, in my work now with certification is there's a, the big pushes for green. And yes, I agree, we have an emergency with respect to climate change, but what I wish every traveler would appreciate is that the people dynamics, the cultural heritage on the ground is as important for this sector to be sustainable and resilient. We cannot be forcing people to do only green. And I see a lot of certification programs that are not only dominant in that, but some of them that are exclusively green. And that's certainly not what fair trade is about. Um, and it's certainly not what I learned in terms of my transition between the two vastly different contexts. Uh, and I still see uh, a lot of that happening. And until people embrace the fact that there needs to be more equity in the tourism sector, people need to be benefiting properly, not just from a job. Everybody, yeah, of course you need employees, but that's it's not enough. We need to be really shifting the power dynamics so that people who are responsible, they're the custodians of the local resources of the destination. They need to be empowered and respected to do what they know is best for, for their country and their people. No, you couldn't, be, you couldn't be more right. We were just having a huge conversation just the other day um, with operators from pretty much all around the world. And we were then saying, you know, recycling, it was a comment that one of the colleagues uh, from North America said, recycling doesn't exist in your parts of the world, meaning Southern Africa, uh, me being from Zimbabwe and all. And I said, well, we have natural recycling. Uh, so at our office, and I know it was an issue, um, at our office now we have different types of bins, but I know for a fact that when they come to be collected, they are thrown all together because of the natural selection is that there are some youth and older women who go around collecting and separating plastic, paper, and food waste. And then they go and sell it. 
while, you know, as I talk to you now, I'm in Bergen, Norway, you know, I have recycling in my apartment. And even when I go to throw out the trash outside, they go into their respective um, sort of, this one is for paper, this one is for, but that doesn't exist uh, in, in, in Zimbabwe because they are, that's actually job creation. And so I can, I can see how, if you were to send somebody from Canada who has no knowledge of the local context to certify a business, they would probably not pass the certification. <laughs> and so I, I totally understand where you're coming from in terms of how vastly different they are and, and very contextual. Interesting. Well, and also just about what is waste? I mean, you know, I'm, I'm using a broad paintbrush here, but I don't find people as wasteful here as I do in the land I come from that will be unnamed in this context. But, uh, you know, uh, what? okay, here's an example. I was traveling years ago, 10 years ago in Rwanda, which, I mean, I love Rwanda. Love traveling there. Beautiful country, beautiful people. And I was back um, at Lake Kivu, so on the, the western side, quite rural and remote. And every time you drive through a village, which seems like Rwanda's an endless village, but uh, little kids will come running to the vehicle and they were saying, Agachupa, Agachupa. And I was, my Danny, my friend Danny Bizimana, who's an operator there, he's, he's like, Danny, what's an Agachupa? He said, they want a plastic bottle. It's a plastic bottle, like a you know, water bottle or a Coke bottle or whatever. He said, they use it for milk, um, to refill the milk and for the honey that they produce. He said, but they need containers. And he said, so these agachupas, he said, get reused forever. I mean, they just get refilled and refilled. So, you know, that's part of the reason you can talk about, the, you know, their, um, their, the cleanup campaigns in the cities. But this was very, very rural and not a drop of, of waste. No rubbish anywhere because people use things. They simply don't regard things as disposable. There's a, there's a value in that item. Right. Right. And, you know, speaking of certification, it, it makes me then wonder what part of um, what part does certification play in in tourism? And if it's important, well, why? Why is it? Uh, I think uh, I mean, we've. Fair trade tourism, um, we've asked our clients this over the years. I mean, I've worked with fair trade since off and on since 2006. Um, which makes me feel really old, but uh, <laughs> um, no, you're we've not. asked the okay, yay, the gray hair is lying to me. Um, we've asked uh, certified businesses, members, people who want to be part of it. You know what? What's the point? What do you? What do? You, what is this for you? And I think it's shifted quite a bit. At the beginning, it was more about um, marketing. Okay, we want to be able to market and say yes, we're sustainable and we're different and that. And I think that's shifted because we realize we've realized over the past decade that using the language of sustainability is people don't get it. So rather talk about what is it about you that makes you sustainable. You know, we we work with the local sewing cooperative to create these beautiful cushions in the lounge. You know, that's cool. And I could talk about it in terms of entrepreneurial development and economic impact. And, you know, those are boring. But from a marketing perspective, a business has shifted. So the, the certification stamp is still useful, but not as much about how they tell their story. 
The other side is the developmental side, which I think is really what fair trade tourism is focusing on very heavily at the moment and in our strategy going forward, is helping businesses to get on the journey. Um, our standard provides a comprehensive management system. I mean, it's everything from quality and HR to environmental management, respect for cultural and heritage, et cetera, et cetera. So if you, for a business, if you go through one of our audits, you can be pretty well assured that your house is in order. So I think from a value perspective from the business, that's a huge, huge benefit. Um, and to know also that the other businesses within that network are, are also trading at the same level, whether they're community owned or part of a big hotel chain, um, because our standard is flexible in terms of how it, how it plays out in the operational context. So from a traveler perspective, I mean, I think a lot of those things are not that easy to wrap your head around. Um, so, for example, what Fairtrade is trying to do is, is talk really about what the experience is. We've launched a new website, as you know, that talks about, you know, one section is about cultures converging. So that's the kind of experience, a business that's certified by fair trade, you can have with them. You can really connect with local people. They actively create opportunities for that to happen. Um, yeah, there's a whole bunch. I mean, go explore it. I'm sure you have. But uh, so there, there's a benefit from for the traveler in certification. But I think that the onus is on the certification body and on the certified business to talk about it in a way that the traveler can resonate with. All right. And, you know, you mentioned the, the, the traveler. Ultimately, it comes down to the concept of greenwashing, where businesses can claim to be doing something that they're, in fact, not doing. And, you know, as a, as a certification body, how can travelers trust that businesses are, in fact, not greenwashing and doing what they, they claim to be, to be doing? Are there ways yeah. that travelers can, can, you know, call this out and, you know, point, point it out? Yeah. I mean, well, for starters, I mean, a certification body in terms of best practice should make their standard available so that if somebody wants to know what does it actually mean to be fair trade certified, you could actually go and see everything that's audited. Okay. And we do that's on our website. Um, so if a person wanted to dig there, dig away, you've got all of that. Uh, I think it's also important if you are selecting on the basis of certification to find out if there's an independent audit. Um, some places do only sort of an online check or, you know, fill out a questionnaire and then you tick a box and you're finished. We have independent auditors, so they're not employed by fair trade. Independent auditors who are amazing. They do fantastic work uh, and they're based around South Africa. They physically go and assess the business. Okay, so they verify everything. They then make their feedback, they give the feedback to the business of where they can improve for the next time, and then they give their recommendation to fair trade in terms of, you know, pass-fail. Um, so that's all available, and that happens every three years. So it's not a once-off. We do audit repeatedly, so we maintain the standard. Um, if a business were, you know, if somebody were to observe that something was maybe not in line with what fair trade tourism stands for. We do have a complaints procedure where they can contact us and we would investigate and then feedback. Um, yeah. So, I mean, we try to be as transparent and robust as possible. We've been doing this for a long time. So we've learned and we've adapted. 
Um, I'm still I'm sure there's a lot of things we still don't do perfectly, but we are open to suggestions and we we do constantly revise our systems so that we can we can stay um, aligned with the best practice. Right. And I'm I'm looking forward to finding out what happens to the suggestion that somebody made at the webinar we had with you and the board a few months ago. And there was a suggestion of peer to peer review system. And a lot of us were very excited because then people, in, I thought the focus would have been, uh, I can't wait to judge my peers, but it was like, yeah, I'll take the opportunity to come out to Zoom, you know, it'll be a great time. <laughs> so I, in turn, am looking forward to, you know, going out to Cape Town, uh, which is where I spent quite, quite a lot of my time as a student. Uh, so when it comes to that, I hope we are able to have that resolution passed and we can have peer-to-peer -peer reviews. <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> there, have been a, there have been a few holes popped in that balloon since we last chatted. <laughs> um, we're going to facilitate some other opportunities for peer-to-peer -peer exchanges, but uh, we're, we've decided to leave the auditing in the hands of the auditing professionals. Probably safer, I have to say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's, a few, there's a few rowdies in the crowd that could be bought off pretty easily with a, <laughs> a couple beers. <laughs> I, I, was looking, I was looking forward to that. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's great. And so you went to school in the UK. And would you be able to summarize the UK in three words and if i would ask you to do to do that what would those three words be outside of rain sure wow the uk in three words where did this this wasn't in my question briefing <laughs> thing it's a surprise uh an unexpected surprise yeah, yeah, I expected something very different and I ended up actually really loving my time there. <laughs> okay, Yeah. unexpected surprise. Three words. Super, excellent. <laughs> okay, moving right along. Let's, uh, let's talk about you for a second. You've gone around Southern Africa and you also interact with Southern African-based um, operators. And by operators, I am talking about attractions, accommodations, all of us, I'm lumping us together and just calling ourselves operators. Can you come up with an itinerary for me that cuts across FTT members um, and, and potential activities? For which age group? Young, old, adventurous? Ooh, Snobby. You've thrown you've thrown me off with that one. <laughs> um how about how about let's do something for if I say middle age, is that ambiguous enough? <laughs> let me okay, let me just do I'll do let's do this differently. Uh -huh. I want to talk about maybe some of the businesses that can appeal to everybody. Great. How about that? That's that's lovely. That's okay. So, for example, I mean, everybody wants to go to Cape Town when they start when they come to South Africa, right? Yep. 
usually. So not only are there really cool, there's hotels, there's guest houses, but with all with a unique flair. But then there's also really amazing experiences. There's one in particular called Utando South Africa. I don't know if you've heard of them, but Utando means love in Isikosa. And uh, it's basically a way of connecting travelers with local development programs. Hey, and so that gives you this incredibly unique insight into, say, for example, the old age home, um, the, the job creation, like the income generating projects that they're doing to sort of keep themselves busy and, and out of mischief in their, their twilight years. Uh, there's a youth dance program that you might be able to go visit. There's a um, community gardens program. There's all these amazing things that really give you some, um, some local perspective onto what life, into what life is like. And I don't think that's always easy, especially in a big city. Uh, so yeah, a program like that, it's, it's amazing for anybody and so inspiring. I mean, the people who are involved are so committed. They have raised Oh, I'm going to, I don't want to quote them, but I wrote a blog about them last year. They had raised 6 million rand to be channeled into these, um, the Cape Town communities during the COVID crisis, during lockdown. And they do amazing, amazing work so that they can keep putting food on the table. Um, also, you go just a little bit outside of Cape Town and there's Kwatu, which is a, a beautiful program that shares um, sand culture. So one of the oldest peoples from this continent and you can go and visit Kwatu and keep in mind that it was designed around the, how the San people want to communicate their own culture. So it's very much, it's in their voice, how they want to be seen, how they want to be spoken about. You can learn about their traditions and then in a modern context, for example, you can have a tea tasting experience that, that taps into the traditional uses of herbs and medicines. Um, they've got the most beautiful museum there. You can stay on site. They've got a stunning restaurant, but it's all really about empowering the San people and their community. They have a, a training program on site as well that brings the San youth through to the tourism space. So it's not just about the traveler experience. It's about what's, what's behind here. What's the impact it's having? Um, then, of course, when you're in the area, you've got to get some whale watching done. So we have a few of those operators around the coastline taking you through to the garden route. And then uh, you can end up in, where will we go? We'll take you to Amakala Game Reserve, Big Five Game Reserve, just outside of, uh, where are we? We're just outside of PE. So you can go there, malaria free, fantastic little spot. Fabulous. That sounds wonderful. And that is something that all ages can do and enjoy. Exactly. Now, now you mentioned you mentioned Rwanda, and so I'm going to pick on that <laughs> a little bit and say, you know, what's the one thing that makes you laugh and say, <laughs> only in Rwanda? <laughs> well, I've already said that with the Agachupa story, man. That'll stick with me forever. Yeah. Stunning, stunning place. Oh, only in Rwanda are you going to, that's, yeah, the other thing that sticks with me is trying to find a private place to relieve yourself after a long day of drinking water in the car all day. <laughs> <laughs> it's so densely populated that, uh, yeah, it's tricky to find some, uh, a quiet, quiet place behind a tree. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and lastly, as we get to the end, 
is there one particular article, video, song that people ought to read, watch, or listen to uh, as they plan to travel to Southern Africa? Um, we actually just shared a really inspiring video on our Facebook page. Uh, it's on Twitter as well, on FT, FT Tourism. Uh, it was put together by South African Tourism. And it's about the amazing resilience of the South African people. And I think it really pulls through a lot of the energy, uh, especially in the difficult times South Africa's had recently. And it pulls through, it's, and it's, it's what's always kept me attracted to this part of the world, is the resilience, the unity, how people come together. And yeah, they, they fight for what's right and what's good. Brilliant. That is really good to hear. And I think I've watched it on LinkedIn, but I'll go and watch it again. Um, this sort of tends us to, to the last bit, but I wanted to just throw this to you and say, is there anything that we did not cover that you would like for us to, to cover before we, we end? Um, just if we're talking about the traveler perspective, I just, I would just like to encourage, we're all travelers, right? I mean, whether it's, you know, to the local park or, you know, around the world, I'd just like to encourage everyone just to choose wisely. Um, it really does make a difference who you stay with and who you spend your money with. And I don't expect you to do weeks of homework around it, but yeah, try and try and be conscious of the impact that those businesses are having because um, it does matter. Yeah. Yeah, and matter it does. Uh, the one thing that I find often either as a traveler myself or when I interact with travelers, it's always people who come and say, it took forever to find you, primarily because the big name brands um, monopolize search engine optimization. And so if somebody's looking online, they're not able to, to find you quickly and very few people click to the second page. Um, and so that's one of those things that um, we need to make it more convenient as well for, for the travelers to make the right choices. Um, yeah. and, and that's one of the homework things that we, we have, uh, yourselves as the certification bodies and ourselves as the operators to say, how do we make it more convenient for people to make quote unquote sustainable choices? Well, I hope we've gone some way in doing that with the new fairtradetourism.org website. Um, I think it's a little, it's easier to plan. It's easier to find people who can help you plan. Uh, so like you, we don't, we don't have the big global footprint, um, but we're doing what we can to make it easier. So hopefully people are using that resource. Absolutely. And on that note, Lisa, thank you very much for taking the time to come and have a chat with me. I'm hoping that we'll be able to do this again uh, once you've traveled so that we can hear all about the big birthday coming up. <laughs> Thanks, Wesley. Look forward to it. You've been listening to The Hive from Teachers of Sustainable Travel. I hope this episode has inspired you to seek or to continue to explore travel with purpose. Join our community on social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, and please do subscribe so that you can receive notifications each time we have a new episode. Tatenda, thank you.